Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wade In. It's been a relatively, relatively, I think it's fair to say, quiet week on the racing front. Jump racing back, racing only better, banging in the winners, left, right and centre. Dan not even here to uh, blow his own trumpet. But the boys are instead, oh, TC, raising an eyebrow already. How are you? Just <laughs> the idea of Dan blowing his trumpet on a Sunday morning just got me. Just got oh, you. Geez. Just got to you. God. He couldn't reach um, anyway, could he? Oh. <laughs> Wanted to be a smart trumpet. <laughs> um, did you have a good week, uh, Tony? Yeah, yeah, nicked a few quid on Saturday, which is obviously what we're here for. So, yeah, yes. it was a, a good Saturday, yeah. Look, we were, I should say we were recording this midday on Sunday, so... Uh, if anything well, dramatic I'll, I'll happens, get off to America. But yeah, we've got, we got uh, yeah. a question on that later, so hold fire there. Hold fire, yeah. We are recording this early, courtesy of me getting on a flight to America. Which you know, I'm very grateful that you boys moved your diary around for me, Kevin. Much going on over there on Sunday. Um, not this particular Sunday. No, although I was to do something this morning, but I had to move it because of you. So you're welcome. <laughs> Oh, thanks, guys. That thanks. Three hours in confession. I'll have to wait. <laughs> um, okay, guys, let's get stuck into the weekend's action racing review section first, please. As always, uh, we will start with the Charlie Hall chase. Brave man's game. Absolutely dotted up. Jump for fun. Didn't really have to come off the bridle. And meanwhile, Ahoy, Senor. Ahoy, Sailor sinks, basically, Kevin. What did you make yeah. of it? Um, sure, look, I'm very fond of Brave Man's game, like I always have been, and he, he did everything that we know him for here, didn't he? Like, he, he jumped very well. Um, like, he does, and he did it last year. Look back on my notes, first half of last season, he was doing something similar. Like, he was a, a bit, like, he's very scopy, but he, he was just a little bit kind of airy for the first airy, half of the race. Yes, that is the yeah. word. And then and then he flattened out a bit as the uh, as it goes on. And we talk about this often in, during the jump season. Like some people think that these big, you know, long, um, airy jumps are, are wonderful and it gets some ooing and aang, but it's just not the most efficient way to do it. So you, you'd like to see him flatten out a little bit more, like he did in the second half of the race, in fairness. Um, travel great, put the race to bed, lovely. Um, did we learn anything new about him? I don't think we did personally. Um, like... He, he's received three pounds from El Dorado Allen and beaten him three and a half lengths, you know, value for more. But, you know, Sam Brown beaten four lengths, rated 157. Um, like you get some people kind of poking at you for, for being a bit, for damning these horses with faint praise. But like to go back to the top of division, a Plutard is officially rated 180. You know, Brave Man's Game has probably run to 161 or two here. Um, you know, that's 20 lengths plus in a gold cup. Yeah. So um, uh, you, you just be cautious of getting carried away. People try to make it an Irish English thing, but the reality is that there is better horses in Ireland than this, significantly better in, in a number of cases. So when you're taking this form and trying to bring it forward to a King George where he might meet Alaho, you know, again, another one that's rated far, far higher than all of these horses, you just need to view it through that prism you know and that's not being parochial that's not being um you know unfair you know they, these are the facts that are in front of us and we're trying to interpret them and take them forward as best we can you know yeah i think also because his jumping is such a joy to watch and because he is so good at his fences and um you know he just gets into that fabulous rhythm and the way his head is low he's, he's a real pleasure to watch as a steeplechaser mm. and then the way he travels into the race i think people after the race kind of get a bit um caught up in what a lovely display it was and then transfer mm. that to being an excellent performance but actually was it an excellent performance tc that distance back to the second and the third as, as kevin's <clears throat> touched upon i mean it wasn't the stuff that if you really knuckle down into the numbers as kevin said it's not a top 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 class staying performance no it's not no, no. kevin just articulates it very well there just the, the the ratings of the the second and third uh tell you everything you need to know about the bare form uh, and the thing about this horse is and it's weird how you don't warm to some horses even though they are clearly high class animals i mean i've always just thought that there's not much length uh, left at the end of his races, especially over three miles with his horse. But and obviously you don't know until he's tried. He's got you know aside from that entry run, he's got an exemplary record, isn't he? And he's going mm. to the he's going to the King George's, you know, the current 
Nigel Force uh, joint favourite with Alaho, you know, after winning the Corto Star last year, but he clearly hasn't run to twenty pounds of what Alaho is. I mean, if they both go there on the day, uh, and they both get there on the day, and there's not much else in the race, and I'll come on to that just just very quickly in a minute. I mean, they're currently nine to four each or two for that race. I mean, if they're there on the day, it's going to be four to six. Seven to two, isn't it? Four to six, Alaho, because he's just forms in, in just a different parish to Brave Man's game. Yeah. You just go and look at the Ryan Airwins, go and have a look at that punches down when over three miles. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's beating 170 horses silly. Um, and that's what Summit Brave Man's game you know, have to step up and do. So, yeah, I mean, the, the current betting seems to be all wrong there. I mean, you have to cut him on the back of that performance because he's come out and shown he's, he's you know, he, he's, he's well, he's, he's come out and shown that. That's the target, and we don't know that with Hallow there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the race you can't really crab the nine to four as such because do we know if Hallow's going? And have a look at the next four in the in the betting for the King George on the Betfair market. You've got um, uh, Long Press, you've got Gallop onto Chance, you've got Anergamy. Um, wow. What's the other one there? You've got. I mean, just bear with me one moment. You've got Appleton. Now, they're the next four in a bet, and they range from 7, 10s, and 14s. Are they even going to go there? So you could have a very small field here. So I'm not going to go and diss the 9-4 to four Brave Man's game for the very reason is the field could cut up massively, and he could well be a short price favourite on the day. But if the big guns turn up, then that 9-4 to four is going to be looking like 9-2. to two. It's going to be looking, you know, north of that as well. I mean, if the likes of – I know it's unlikely because, you know, they're – yeah, you know, they're not all going to go there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the jury's still out for me in in that in that top tier grade one level. Yeah, yeah just to throw it, just to throw it out there, Vanessa. Like, I, I think the horses were very well equipped for two and a half miles if they ever wanted to do that. Mm. Um, like clearly stays, but he has the attributes to shorten up if they want them to. I yeah. think it'd be a very, I think it'd be a very interesting thing to do. Look, he's fully earned his chance to go and run the King George in against the best of the best or sorry, or the best to turn up as TC says and see where he lies but it wouldn't be a, a man shock to me now if we saw him over two and a half miles at some stage yeah drop him yeah, down to I, two mile five for Ryanair yeah. up against a certain Alaho again yeah I wouldn't um I I'm I'm intrigued to see him in a battle I don't know how you know the way he travels into his into his races the way he traveled the other day and what we've seen of him last season as well I I, I'd love to see him in a proper battle in a finish and to see how much is under the tank, under the bonnet, because the way in which he goes about it suggests there's plenty there. But I'm just not confident I, once I, he gets in a battle. I do feel we're being a little bit unfair, but it's just the way I feel about the horse. Hey, really. Look, we're allowed to discuss it. It's down and dirty at the end of a race yeah. over three miles against far high rated horses. We just don't know. No, exactly, and we're allowed yeah, to discuss it. It's just that, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll outbattle the hardiest of them. But there's just a little part of me that thinks that he likes to come there traveling. But how much is actually under the bottom? To be honest, that's yeah. a big part of me as well, not just a little part. Yeah, mm. yeah and I, I, and I suppose the other thing, I know that Paul is very quick to send them off for, for breeding surgery. But like, I think the view was that this horse was a bumper horse. His breeding his, was, was that much of a thing that it was holding him back. And he's had another wind up, you know, before yeah. this season. So like sometimes the horses like that on the bridle, you know, is always going to be their best work. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like you say, that when, it, when, they, when, they, when it's really turned on, it can, it can catch them a little bit. Um, let's just give a quick mention before we move on to a hoist in yours run. It would be remiss of us not to mention him. Um, I mean, look, you didn't need glasses to see that he just didn't get into a rhythm of any sort. Um, his jumping was all amiss, which you flagged up beforehand on racing any better, Kevin. But even with having said that, it was a really disappointing show from him. What what next now? Yeah, like this is him. He, he's just... Um, Last season, I would have kind of referred to him as kind of a bit awkward and raw, but this was his seventh run over fences. Like, he needs to be doing it a bit better now. Like, clearly, as we've seen on his best day, loads and loads of talent, but um, maybe I'm being harsh. At what point do you accept what you're seeing and say, right, maybe we're better off going back over hurdles here? Ooh. You know, can can he beat a Plutard? Can he beat Alaho? You know, even on his very best day I don't know but 
like he, he was never beaten over hurdles. You know, a hell he of an only, engine he, only, as well. he only had two runs over them and he smashed up um, Braveman's game in the second one. Um, staying hurdle division, as we know, was never electric. Um, look, I know his connections love him um, and, and they have an awful lot of faith in him and they're probably more than likely to not to persevere and try to catch him on a good day, on, on a big day. But yeah, I think you have to consider it an option. Yeah, I didn't even, I hadn't even thought seven, about seventh that. Seventh run. Well, see, see what price is in the exchanges there for the stairs. <laughs> you probably um, get a million to one. He's probably not in there, but it'd see? be an interesting option. I, 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 think. I, I think someone asked the question of one bookmaker on Twitter that I saw yesterday, and I think they got 33s back, which is... It's interesting, up. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, like, look, he, he goes... Look, we know he's got a massive engine, loads of ability, but it, like Kevin's saying, if he can't put it together on the day, he's going to keep missing these big uh, races because of his jumping. And then if they did drop him back to hurdles, he'd be able to get away with that. But anyway, time will tell with a hoist. But the, and that, that's um, the key, Vanessa. It's, it's a, it was a seventh run. Like I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling here. Did, did Noble Yates win a Grand National on a seventh run over fences? Like you, thing, need, yeah. you need to be putting it together with, yeah, after yeah. seven runs. That's a lot of runs in this day and age. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. And I'm a massive fan of the horse and the connections, but I do agree with that. And no one was really more disappointed after the King George. Well, no, I was very disappointed after the King George anyway. Uh, oh, sorry, after the Charlie Hall. Um, let's move on to Ascot. Uh, good few winning tips. I mean, actually, we had winning tips on Racing Any Better up at Weatherby as well, which we'll get to in due course. But uh, our power is now 10 to 1 from 20s for the Coral Gold Gold Cup after taking the feature handicap Chase Kev at Ascot um, and Sam Thomas really just like picking up this season where he left off last season with his runners in these big tar- hand, uh, sort of targeting these big handicaps and he does it so well with his horses yeah absolutely and um, like this horse is going the right way in fairness it's only his seven spin over fences seven the magic number again and um, and he won well he won well. Like it, it, it's interesting. I think I've seen plenty of these uh, of the trainers in Britain. They're kind of happy to to target these. Like you know, we saw that the, the Irish trainers were very keen to target Cheltenham last weekend. I think there's going to be a lot of Irish trainers targeting the November meeting at Cheltenham again. And I think a lot of British trainers are very cognizant of what what what, what, what British meetings Irish trainers are targeting, and they're happy to punch into the gaps in between. And uh, this was probably a, a good example of that. I'm not knocking them and saying that, you know, I think Nichols is very tuned into it. Um, and the guys that, that want to win big pots, you know, you have to think that way, I think. And um, look, our power, one of, one of, I didn't hear afterwards what they're thinking, if they're going to go um, back in trip or call go for the, the Coral Gold Cup, as it's called now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But this was a good performance. Sam Thomas, as you say, making headway. Um, which is great to see. And of course, he has good memories of the Coral Gold Cup back when it was yeah. called the Hennessy, I, I think it was. Yeah. Must be. Um, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, good luck to him. Uh, it's like they are, they said after the race, they're, they're going to Newbury, but. Okay. Uh, Would you have? I mean, 10 to 1 on the back of that, no thank you. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, Dan napped our power up. I bet he was absolutely loving it when he when he saw the horse in front of him was uh, Danny Kerwin. <laughs> you know, you know he's won a couple, hasn't he, uh, at the end of last season? But he does tend to he does tend to curl up a little bit um, on, on occasions. So, but I wouldn't be getting yeah. You know, he won that for Mark of 136. Um, obviously, he'll get a penalty if he goes from Newbury. Um, not for me. Not for you at ten to one. Interesting. I think a lot of people are quite taken with him. Uh, let's stick with UTC because you also had a winning nap. Dan's winning nap was our power on racing any better on Thursday, and your winning nap was Prashima, who absolutely dotted in. Like I, that performance really knocked my socks off. Actually, yeah. I mean, she's he's unexposed over three miles, and um, I say I think think he got the the best of rides in the race last year when second, but. God, he was impressive there, and, and, and we got a question on it later. I mean, Harry Skelton was was excellent all throughout Saturday, wasn't he? And I think I think he ended up winning the last as well for a treble. So, yeah, I mean, all jockeys. I mean, I, like I said, I don't really factor in jockeys, and all jockeys have good and bad days, and I can't really single out one. But Skelton had a had a brilliant day there. Really good ride on Molly's Aussie wishes, and Prasima, <laughs> Yeah, he was. 
again, it's very much like Brave Man's game. It's very easy to get taken by that Prosima's win. You know, he beat, you know, 154 rated Thomas Darby by 10 lengths. But Thomas Darby was, you know, giving him six pounds. So you can't get, go overboard about the ratings. It'd be interesting to see what the handicapper does with him because he went into that race only rated 143. Uh, you know, and some people saying, oh, maybe outsider for the stairs, etc. I just really want to know what the handicapper does for him because, you know, if he only puts him up maybe six or seven pounds, 150, I'll be interesting, you know, to see him if a handicapper of a mark of around about that kind of level. But okay. yeah, he was very impressive. And I do think he's a horse going forward. But the thing about backing him anti post is it doesn't sound like, you know, if it gets soft, he just won't run. So he's not an anti-post kind of like proposition. But if he gets anywhere on the day, three miles on good ground, I think he's a horse going places. But okay. perhaps before going to graded company. But it sounds like they're looking at um, that grade two hurdle at Newbury next month uh, with him. But, you know, that will tell us more. But I think, you know, depending on what the assessor does, I think he's got a, I think he's got another handicap in it. Okay. Conditions not dependent. Handicap, but you, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we should discuss Goshen down at Ascot. We're bouncing from Weatherby to Ascot here. Um, back down to Ascot, Goshen making his chasing debut and very disappointing. Kevin uh, didn't look to be enjoying himself at all and um, finished well, well, well beaten. I just I find this so intriguing, right? So he's been schooled at home and they're obviously happy with his schooling and they're happy to send him chasing. And then he goes chasing and he clearly just is all out of kilter, doesn't enjoy it at all and runs an absolute shocker. When you think about it from, you know, if, if you, if you take it, just looking at the horse themselves, if I take a horse cross country schooling before I take it to its first event, three day event, let's say like, how it cross-country schools is how it'll go on the cross-country on the day. You you very rarely, if ever, have a situation whereby a horse would cross-country school well and then go to an event and have a shocker of a day. That just wouldn't really happen. Yeah, but, so, you, yeah, but you tell the truth. I mean, when have you ever heard a trainer before a novice chase start? Oh, he's doing badly at home, yeah, but I, coming in to see yeah, if he... I do it, know what it's you're it's like a horse looking great in the paddock and stuff like that no but I know <laughs> until, until you get until you get anything different said you just take it with a pinch of salt oh but yeah I, he schooled well blah 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 I do know what you're saying but they wouldn't if he'd school badly they wouldn't be they wouldn't be starting him in a chase is what I'm saying so like he's obviously schooled well at home because they're starting him in a chase so they've obviously decided that that's a decent and like they've chosen to go down that route and then what I'm saying I guess the conclusion I'm trying to get to is I think he would have run like that whether it was hurdles or fences Kevin on that ground, on that day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hard That's what know. I he's think. A, he, he's a riddle, obviously. He, he's a horse that has plenty going on in his brain and probably in his body as well that that, that he can't tell us about. Um, so what do you do? Do you, do you go again? Do you give him another shot? Like if you are if you are genuinely happy with his schooling, I think you go again. Yeah. Um, may, you know, maybe on even softer ground, which we know he really enjoys, just to be sure, to be sure. But like I think they they were already making noise after the race that look I think we'll probably end up hurdling but um we we'll give him another go you know I, what do you do I I I'd give him another go over fences um try and win a couple of races with him and then you can go back hurdling at the at higher levels if you want but yeah look he he he's diff, he's tricky uh, I mean I'm being cautious of reading too much into any one run with him because we've seen in the past yeah over hurdles. That he can just have like a complete nutter off day and it'd be harsh to judge him on those so this could and probably was just a complete utter off day yeah. so you know get him right-handed testing ground see what happens if he does the same thing again well then maybe you can point the finger at the obstacles but until then i think i'm, I'm inclined to say yeah just given, day. given ascot missed a lot of the rain i mean if that was a 10 runner handicap chase I think they might have pulled him out because it was a four-runner race and it was a short price favourite. I think they took a chance. But I mean, I heard Jamie before, but you know, before the racing, just saying that they were a bit worried about the ground and it was probably more good than good to soft there. And that's no good to Goshen. So yeah, uh, testing okay. ground, give him one more hurrah. Okay. Um, before we move away from the racing, a quick nod to Molly Ollie's wishes. You've already mentioned TC. Anything yeah. to add for her? She was another winning tip for the Racing Only Better team in the Mayor's Hurdle up at Weatherby. Yeah, yeah. I, I think given that Martello's guy stays further, had the lead, is a battler, 
Um, I was, you know the I was, terrier coming down for me to see. I was a bit disappointed, as you can imagine. Was, um, was she going to be in the shake-up? I, I, be honest with you, I, I didn't really. I was didn't she going to be that. in the shake-up? But yeah, I think I mean, she would have been, but again, not. Scouter did give that a, a very good ride. Obviously, he had a very willing partner. Um, yeah, I was slightly surprised he picked up Martello Sky, but yeah, it was uh, it was a, a good performance, backing up the win in the race last year. Yeah. Um, right, let's talk about a few other points of interest. Quick mention to the Melbourne Cup, Kevin. Uh, takes place on Tuesday, obviously, just a couple of days away now, and Deauville Legend is the 5-2 to two favourite. I've been enjoying following the coverage on social media, the build-up to the race, and the nice angle between um, James Ferguson and the Crisford team, and, you know, those boys being down there and sort of with... with basically the what favorite and second favorite now or third favorite for the race um but dover legend pretty short price what are we saying is he gonna yeah. win? bring the cup well, yeah, home? I, hope, I hope one of them wins it um I, i'd love to see an international win it because anyone that's kind of familiar with the way it's all gone the last few years it, it's extremely difficult to get an international <laughs> let, it go, Kev, let it go this is kevin it, it, wanting to basically put two fingers up at the australians because they made it so that's hard. one digit too many i think he's uh, yeah sorry yeah i'm just, just stating the facts it's extremely difficult to get an international horse down to victoria at the minute and they went through all that their connections were game enough to have a goal at getting through at all the expense all the hassle and to take the chance to get down there and they're passing the vets there's a bunch of um, local horses that have failed the vet actually yeah. in recent days. Durston um, is yeah. one and the Loft, um, a horse that had been sent down there from Germany and was going to be heavily fancied. He, he did a tendon, I think, but there's a there's a bunch that aren't going to get the chance to run. Um, like it's, I can't help but think like a, a race of Victoria, they're just eating themselves with the way they're approaching this. Like they're, they're being so super stringent and they're, they're making the rod for their own back in my own view. Um, but I hope the internationals go and win. I think it, it, in all objectivity, I think it's going to be one of the weaker Melbourne Cups we've seen for a long time. Um, because like it, like it or lump it, um, when you get a strong international contingent down there, it lifts the level of the race. Um, so look, it is. It, it's the flat equivalent to the Grand National. You know, anything can happen. It, it's it's a, you really need um, a smooth run on the day to go and win it because it is super competitive and you can get horrible spins there. And generally. I, w- I would speculate that it's going to be an old style Melbourne Cup, as in with so little internationals in it, unless one of them goes and makes the run and they will go steady. They'll jump out, go rapid for the first few furlongs, get to the bend and then put the brakes on and trot around for the rest of the race. And that puts an even bigger emphasis on looking running. So um, I'll watch it. I won't have as much interest as I would have in years gone by for obvious reasons, but um, hope Kevin, it's a clean race. Couldn't, couldn't give a... Couldn't give a duck, courtesy. No, in terms, no, 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 I don't mean that in terms of Joseph. I mean in terms of international interest. I think naturally okay. people around this part of the world will have more of an interest in it when there's more international competition. Um, but look, in, in all sincerity, I hope it's a clean race. They all come back safe and um, one of the internationals goes and wins. <laughs> <laughs> rooting, I'm rooting for um, Dover legend. be great for James Ferguson. Um, TC, do you have a strong fancy in the Melbourne Cup? No, funny enough... Obviously, I saw it on the running order. So I was chatting to Ryan this morning about just a preliminary chat of his breeders' cut rides. And uh, so I asked him, I said, give uh, give Wade in listeners the winner of the Melbourne Cup. And um, he just said it was, I won't I won't say exactly what he said. He said it's a very winnable race uh, this year. And um, it's quite interesting. So anyway, so I said, he, he said, he said, the favourites kind of like, you know the most likely winner, but he's also he said he's almost favourite by default because you can't make a really convincing case for for much else in the race, and it's quite interesting with Ryan because obviously he's got a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of the you know international form book. So I said there's nothing in there, no, and he actually went from number one to number twenty four, and just giving a, a he gave me a quick line on all of them, not not wow. for any column, but he was just saying no yeah, that yeah. pointing out the negatives of all of them. And um, now he he thought the favourite would win, but obviously he's, he's he, he acknowledged he said it's no no price whatsoever. But um, a very winnable and open race, but probably not the best renewal was it was his summary. 
Okay, we will be discussing all of that on next week's Weighed In. Um, let's move on. A couple of other news lines. Mick Shannon retiring, Kevin. Um, wouldn't have come as a massive surprise. Jack Shannon going to take over the license. His son, um, Jack's been heavily involved for a number of years now. And so it was sort of an inevitability. Um, but Mick Shannon, I think... For me personally, his glory days were a bit before my time in racing, but he's a, he's a much loved figure, isn't he? Oh yeah, and like you, you always have to have always have to give great credit to anyone that can reinvent themselves to that extent. You know, he was obviously a wonderful footballer from from what um, what Ed Chamberlain tells me. He was the, he's the biggest <laughs> Mick Shannon fan of all time, but oh. um, to, to to make that switch after after he finished up that career, you know, in retirement for, for a top sportsman, like, is, is, you know, as we know from endless examples, that can be a really tricky thing. Uh, and he threw himself into training horses uh, and made a proper goal of it, you know, won loads of big races, you know, even got into the, the breeding side of it as well uh, with, with plenty of success. Um, and look, I'm sure he's had a, a long and happy career and now he'll get to see his, his son take over and hopefully carry things on. So uh, congratulations to, to Mick on his career and, um, you know, hope he enjoys some, some, some less stressful days going forward. Yeah, I'm sure he'll still be very heavily involved, TC, with Jack and the operation. Yeah. It's a real family operation uh, with them. And yeah, I mean... I, have, yeah, I haven't seen it, but apparently did a very good interview uh, with Lydia on Racing TV on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I mean, the only... Obviously, he was very good with his two-year-olds, but I wish he could speak French because he, he should have got in that Stewart's inquiry in 2007 and got the got the race from Dylan Thomas because... Uh, you were saying, oh, Lord. I mean, oh, yeah, you were saying. I mean, like, <laughs> I bet he'd like to say, everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I back that at three-figure prices. For quite a <laughs> and I was sitting there just thinking, right, I've got this now. And I just, he opened up about twos on in the... Um, <laughs> in the stewards and then it kept on and i said i'm not laying off here because it's a tens on shot to get the race because that was the time in france where you did anything yeah. you were out so and everyone yeah. was expecting him to get chucked out i was watching the ex- exchange and it kept on drifting out the longer it went on <sighs> I, I did bottle it to, to get my stake back at around about 1.8 i believe but how he didn't get that race and win an arc isn't that that was, that was incredible oh. that was genuine there's some story like I, I don't know how well known it is but there is some story there that i forget who the jockey was um there was a couple of jockeys in the inquiry and and fallon had done done him a turn in an inquiry like relatively recently i think and fallon kind of called in all his favors i think going in the door well, no, I, don't <laughs> what, I don't know if richard Hughes, i mean i don't know what he was i mean i, I imagine they just thought right we're gonna get the race because it like I say, back then it, it, it was look pretty ago, clear it was a tens on shot get chucked out it really was one of, that's the day he probably won't look back on that fondly, but he's oh, had many other high days. Um, guys, oh. let's move on. Let's move on because we've got a few other things to discuss, some news headlines. Uh, Kevin, it was the Horston training sale last week. Uh, big week up in Newmarket, big trading week. Some people have picked up some real bargains. Some people paid a lot of money for horses. Um, what were the takeaways from the sale, please? We saw a tweet of yours. Please expand. Yeah, really, really strong trade. Um, they they broke the record there. Excuse me for for the aggregate, and it was it was a wildly strong sale. And they sold I think just over a thousand horses there. And um, look, as most foreign based buyers were extremely active, they always are at the horse and training sale. But it, it's at the at the top level, they were utterly dominant. Um, I look back in the last few years, and I think out of the top twenty five lots, um, twenty three of them. You know, are going very much abroad. You know, ten to Australia, seven to Saudi, um, or was it four to Qatar, four to America, something like that, and one each to, to Ireland and England, both going jumping. Paul Nichols bought one, and, and high definition yeah. going to Joseph was the other. Um, and look, it's 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 one of these things. If you're in the business and you're in the trading of bloodstock, it's a it's a fabulous thing that there is so much money coming from abroad that the markets are so strong uh, and perversely it should encourage people from this part of the world to have horses and training because it, it makes the thing make a little bit more sense if you can, um, when your horse is has done his job for you and you send him to the sales, if you can get a very good price, 
you know, considering the, the horrific prize money situation, it does make the case a bit more logical to have a racehorse in training here. But the other side of the coin then is that this, this talent drain that we talk about, that so many nice horses are leaving the shores to go race elsewhere. Um, and the impact, the knock-ons of that, the impact it's going to have on the depth of, you know, big handicaps, on the mm-hmm. depth of stakes races. Um, you know, I, I wrote about it last week, you know, that maybe in terms of our, our pattern committees in this part of the world, like we probably need to be quite sharp on this and, and identify that our depth levels at the upper levels of racing are reducing and we probably need to start trimming back in our, our pattern of stakes race schedule you know, so we don't end up like jumps racing where we have, you know, far too many greater races for the amount of good horses we have. Um, so, look, there's a lot moving, but I, I think all involved in, you know, the BHA, IHR, BHRI, I think we need to have our eyes open and watch what's going on and respond to it dynamically rather than waiting like they did in jumps for 10 years to pass before they kind of went, oh, God, what's happened here, lads? It's <laughs> happening. This is happening right now. We can see what's happening. We can see the consequences. Um, we as a game just need to react to it and make the best of, of the evolving situation. A plea from Kevin for a quick reaction, please. Um, a couple of other points to discuss, TC, before we move on. Um, remounting at the start, something that's got your goat this yeah, week, no, or a lack of really. remounting at the start. I wouldn't say get my goat, but it was... It was a little bit, a, judging by your WhatsApp. Yeah, I mean, no, free, it was a free-runner race at uh, Weatherby <laughs> on Friday. And um, pressure luck, the very weak in the market, second favourite. Just literally whipped round, just... You know, it wasn't a violent whip round, just whip round and Tom Can fell off. And this was after the tapes went up. And I was just like thinking, get back on them, because the other two horses, the jockeys looked round and they were just, I think they were waiting for him to kind of like get on or they didn't know what went on. So anyway, he could have easily hopped back on and literally been a length behind them. But then then it suddenly dawned on me that because the tapes went up, because of the remounting rule, he, he couldn't do that. And it And it just occurred to me that, you know, this is a, you know, if you're a regulator, you look at that and thinking, yeah, we're right. You know, it can't, this has to be a black and white scenario after the race has run, no remounting. But I'm just thinking a, a, a good regulator would look at that and just thinking, is there a problem coming down the line here? Because obviously we all know remounting was brought in uh, to deal with uh, welfare issues, but oh, clearly there's no welfare issues in that, that scenario. And they probably almost certainly will never be a welfare issue that remounting. Uh, until a, a fence is jumped. So it just I just think, uh, I think there should be a discussion to be had. Should they actually just like tweak the remounting rules, say you can remount in that situation uh, and in situations going forward, but it, the remounting ban only comes in after a fence has been jumped. Well, that seems to be a very common sense scenario. It, it, it just occurred to me, what if that had happened in the forerunner turn as obviously chase? to either gallop under Champs or Bob Ollinger at Cheltenham. If that same scenario happened, the tapes went up, no one really wanted to go on, but in that situation, someone went round, one of the jockeys fell off. It'd be up wrong. There would literally, it was evens each or two, there would be absolutely punting mayhem. And, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, some bookmakers gave the money back there, but they wouldn't be doing that at Cheltenham with all the you know, tens yeah. of millions on board. I just think, like, maybe the BHE should, we look at that rule and just think, yeah, maybe the remounting is very is a very good idea, the remounting ban. But maybe let's just say a fence has to be jumped before we bring that uh, that to bear. Seems yeah, it's, a fair, it's a fair it's a fair shout, I think, because look, yeah. this, this rule has been there for you know ten years plus, and this is the first time something like this has happened that I can recall. Um, but look, sometimes you need kind of a quirky example to shine a light on on a rule that maybe could be slightly improved, and yeah, it ma- makes perfect sense to me now. Yeah. Um, okay, let's keep the show moving, guys. We're gonna we've got loads of questions, so we're gonna roll this next topic into the first set of questions, which is of course the fact that the news came out in the week, the news that we've been waiting for, that the Irish terrestrial TV rights are well, the Irish TV rights, sorry, are going to stay with racing TV after obviously both Sky Sports Racing and Racing TV pitched for the rights. Uh, the decision was made by HRI that, well, all but made at this stage, that the rights are going to stay with Racing TV. Now, obviously, I personally am very disappointed, goes without saying, but we do need to remain impartial when discussing this, and we will do exactly that. Um how did you take the news, Kevin? Um, 
all biases put to one side, please. Yeah, look, it was interesting. I suppose we should say what, what they've done is they announced last week that they're now um, that they have selected SIS and RMG as the preferred bidders. And now they're going to enter into a period of negotiate exclusive negotiations with them that, like you say, one assumes will result in a deal being struck. Um, uh, what the time scale is, I don't know, but th- that's where we are and it makes it um, heavy, heavy odds on that that's where we're going to end up. And uh, look, on this whole issue, I've done my best to bite my tongue on it for, for years and years, obviously, because anything um, anything we ever say, I suppose, will always be seen as being a little bit conflicted. But um, I thought David Jennings wrote very well on this the other day in the Racing Post. I mean, he asked some some pertinent questions that, that I think w- wouldn't be unreasonable to um, to touch on the, the, a similar sentiment here because it echoed a lot of the, the questions I'd have. Um, and look, I don't think HRI are going to comment on this again until the deal is done. They've said that as much in their statement. Yeah. But look, when when the deal is done and the ink is dried, um, I think that they do owe the racing public a bit of an explanation as to why they've done this. Because when you look at the when you look at the bare facts in terms of the, the comparisons, what, what each and and we're going to talk about direct to home rights here because while that's a, a relatively small percentage of the deal it's it's the part that's most applicable to probably our listeners slash viewers and the, the racing public because that that's you know that's how we watch our racing and when you look at the the differences in access, accessibility and reach and visibility which is the, the the issue i always raised when asked about it and like the last figures i saw from racing tv and always happy to clarify if these are out of date they have sixty thousand subscribers total um, and at the, at the time, this was going back a year, I think they had 13 and a half thousand subscribers in Ireland, 13 and a half. And um, that compares to Sky having 14 million subscribers between the UK and Ireland, 700,000 in Ireland that would have access to, to Sky Sports Racing. Um, that's obviously, you know, a giant difference in terms of accessibility and reach. Um, you look at the At The Races website, 1.5 million unique users per month. You know, a gigantic website, the biggest one in racing, um, compared to to racing TV, which, with all due respect, is it would be a pretty tiny website in comparison. And um, David Jennings made a great point about affordability. You know, it's behind a paywall. It costs three hundred and seventy odd grand a year. Um, some people will get reduced rates. You know, twelve euro a month for a year. Personally, I paid just shy of five hundred a year because I needed on two screens. And look, HRI had the power to take that to take that away, to take it back from behind a paywall. Um, current economic situation, people are, are being pretty squeezed at the minute. Um, will they be able to continue paying special subscriptions like that? I don't know, but we, uh, I think the Irish racing public deserves to know why. You know, why, why when they had this option, um, why didn't they take it? One assumes, I suppose one hopes that, they, that it's because it's massively in their financial interest to do so. Um, Irish racehorses get 85% of the media rights money. So maybe they just took the view, right? We want the biggest financial package, um, regardless of its impact on uh, on the viewing public. I don't know, but I just, what I'd like to see is that when the, when the deal is inked, that we do just get a full and proper explanation. Um, and, you know, this was a very thorough process, a very long process. One would hope that there is lots of, you know, positive, good reasons why they did it and why the, the I suppose, aforementioned negatives that, w- that were spelled out there, why they're worth it. To go with this way to go this way with it so um yeah look i'll be interested to hear more about it when the time comes yeah irish racing fans like you say i think it'll all be when this is fully over the line but hopefully we will get um a full and clear debrief on why they went in the way of racing <clears throat> tv and we should just clarify that uh kevin for all he's incredibly eloquent and all very valid points he meant uh 370 euros not 370 grand because that really would is be that what expensive. i said yeah he did Jesus. yeah wow. just just I, the cost of a house per year that really would put a few people off watching I, racing tv i just had oh. well kev was going on i did uh, had read it before but i actually got name checked in the jennings piece i just actually read it there oh we, i haven't referenced the... the poll i did but it was quite funny when I did the poll. It was 75, 25% of, of, of um, at the races or Sky Sports Racing getting it. And, but some of the some of the responses I had, as, in addition to the, the actual kind of like poll results, were quite good. Uh, in the interest of balance, someone said, I, I don't want I don't I want it on racing TV. I don't want to, I don't want to be clashing with the muck from France and Hong Kong and stuff like that. So in, in all the uh, in all the uh, clashes that racing TV had and 
and nobody is going to tell me that that isn't a massive negative. But uh, yeah, there are clashes if it if it had gone to the Sky Sports racing as well. But uh, yeah, yeah actually, because, I, because in fairness, I think everyone would be united in saying that like the racing TV team, the one that they've assembled in Ireland, like it is excellent. Like I don't think you'll come across anyone that would ever um, cast any doubt on that. But I suppose the issue is that we don't see enough of them. We don't we don't get to see their work because of congestion issues. And just to bring it to something wider, Vanessa, in terms of when when this initially switched over to racing TV, which it should be clarified, it wasn't HRI's decision. It was something that was foisted upon them by by SIS. Um, I suppose the wider concern was that uh, the, the reduction in accessibility would harm the popularity of Irish racing and like it's, it's a tricky thing to measure but I saw some numbers there a few weeks ago that really opened my eyes now and they were for viewing figures for RTE um, and do you remember the first day of Irish Champions weekend and the Queen was after dying and it was basically a blackout for sport oh yeah um, excellent day of racing on racing yeah. TV and, they, and we praised them because they were able to give the, a really good card top class coverage but that, that wasn't the angle it was going to take on it. It was that oh. that was also that was that was also on RTE, and you know they had a complete free run at it basically, and they only got sixty thousand viewers that day, sixty, six zero, um, which just was a wild eye opener for me. And I looked into it a bit more. And um, day one of the Dublin Racing Festival, you know, the perception would be jumps racing always more popular than flat racing. Um, they got eighty three thousand viewers you know, back in February, you know, should we not be, should those numbers not be kind of panicking, really set, really setting alarm bells ringing. Like everyone always goes on about Irish, you know, Irish people loving their, their racing, etc. Like they're small numbers. Like they, should we be worried? Maybe HRI and the Irish race courses are looking at this overall scene. They'd have access to those numbers. Maybe, maybe they're saying to themselves like to hell with accessibility lads. We just need as much money as we can lock in, in these meteorites for the next five years because the because our, the numbers are going one way and the the absolute tail could fall out of these the meteorites valuations going forward and we need to cash in now maybe, maybe. Uh, again I'm well, trying look, I'm trying to I'm trying to find a reason for it and maybe that's it look hopefully we will get some answers in due course as we've said um, and I would like to say thank you very much to plenty of our Twitter contributors because uh, Colm Rockridge the Green Bays and Stephen Hone all asked questions on this um, it's probably an ongoing uh, discussion we will have and hopefully we'll get more answers in due course so i'm sure that's not quite the end of the discussion but it is on this show because we have to move on to some excellent questions we've got good pool of questions uh we're going to start tony with ian brothers as our should novice hurdlers be excluded from open handicaps betfair hurdle and cheltenham have become daft and time to make novices run in their own races i'd be against that what about you tc um i hadn't really thought about it before but i look, looked into it and there was some discussion on the question, Fred, and I came around to thinking that it probably wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? Um, it would beef up our, our novice hurdles at, at the big meetings, and yeah, I, I, I thought there was a there was a, quite a lot of mileage in that. And uh, and on a side issue, someone chimed in and said, "Well, while we're at it, let's not allow mayors to run in Grade One um, Grade One chases." And it's <laughs> um, it's it's um, like so I. The more I thought about it, and people made the point about you know county hurdles being won by unexposed and lightly raced novices, um, yeah, um, I'd be with him. Yeah, yeah, so so okay. would I. Um, oh. This would have been one of my one of my many suggestions in the most national racing changes, um, because look, we need more runners. You saw the runner numbers in the novice hurdle at Cheltenham, shock, in the novice hurdles plural, shocking really. And like, is it really any good for the likes of Stateman and Gallop and the Champ to be going bolting up in, in handicaps at Cheltenham? You know, the handicaps really, to me, should be for open class horses that aren't quite good enough to run in greater races. Uh, it makes a bit of a joke of them when you have novices with, with three and four runs over hurdles coming in, bolting up in them. When they, they, they say those horses would have been very competitive in the grade ones if they'd run in them. So, yeah. And I should say, when the BHA announced their recent um, changes, you can tell that they that they're thinking the same way me and TC were there, but they didn't quite have the bravery to just ban them outright. 
they made it that um, a novice needs four runs mm. to qualify for a mark. They went at it that way rather than like being... nudging towards it, nudging yeah, towards they, it. They, they've, done, they've done a lot of that, the BHA, so far. I think they have the right ideas, but they haven't been brave enough to, to really grasp Commit. it. They've kind of got... They've, got thrown, they've thrown a half slap rather than hitting it a proper dig. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of questions uh, sort of in and around the Skeletons. Paul O'Hare, not pocket talking, no bet, but Harry Skeleton's rides, they were top class. Do you agree? A bit of a joke or two, I know, but give credit where it's due. We've already done that, Paul O'Hare, riding really well, yard in excellent form. But then that leads on to the next question from Connor Hicks, who's our skeleton pinging winners this weekend, but all his unscrupulous behaviour from 2018 may lead to him losing his licence. Does this look likely and is it a fair punishment? This is, I presume, referring to Dan Skelton in terms of the ownership situation that's gone through the courts at the moment or is going through the courts. Well, the first thing we would say is we don't know if it's unscrupulous behaviour. That's why there's going to be a court case. It's all all reverts back to the sale of George Gently back in 2016. So we're still at it six years yeah. later, but we don't know, you know, more the facts will come out in, in the court case as and when it happens. But, um, you know, that's... It's gone very unfair. quiet, hasn't it? It'd be unfair to judge because we don't know the full story yet. No, I know. I, yeah, um, we don't know the full story, so we can't really comment on it, to be honest, but there'll be more to come from that. And it has gone very quiet. Um, Gary DC has asked, the Irish mopping up at Cheltenham last week, Nichols and skeleton pot hunting this week. When will the national hunt pattern be sorted out? Too much racing, too many opportunities for big rich stables to avoid each other. Well, we've kind of discussed that already, and we don't need to go into that again on yeah, this. Don't get me going. No, <laughs> um, I know the rules. Luke has asked: Should horses be weighed at each race day? Yes. Surely, wouldn't be that difficult to do so, and would be nice to see how the cha- how that changes throughout the season. We have talked about this plenty, Luke. I know Kevin is a massive advocate for that. It hasn't happened. I don't know why it hasn't happened, and we'd all like to see it. I think it's fair to say. Um, I guess because Rafe Beckett kiboshed it. <laughs> is that right? I, I, yeah, he? He, he, he tell you himself. Yeah, it was. He, he, I had a discussion with him, a public discussion on Twitter actually about it, when I wrote about it a few years ago, and it, there was talk about it being trialed, and he basically said, "No, I thought it was absolute rubbish, and we, 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 we that didn't happen." <laughs> I, I want the, I want the trainers on. to be weighed. <laughs> See how their way if, if they had a very season. on Boxing Day, if they very if they met well over Christmas, I want to know. Mind you, we um, might have to get a, a special set of scales, but I'm sharp handling, might we? Jeez, but you know, it's quite cool. I follow a couple of lads that are involved in Japanese racing, and um, you know, before the big race is there, like it's quite a thing when they announce the the weight in results. You know, they put them all up at once. The weights go up. And like betting turnover and activity, like there's a hive of activity after these weights go up because, you know, the punters out there are so in tuned into what it means and wow. the impact of it that like the odds will move as soon as the weights go up. Wow. And like Rafe, Rafe's point in opposition to the proposition was basically, yeah, people wouldn't understand how to use it. Basically, they would, they would, it, would be, it would be useless information because they wouldn't understand what it means. But um, a little bit like wind ops, etc. You put the information out there, and sharp guys People will like work to out. use it. Yeah, sharp guys will work out the the, yeah. the relevance of it, the irrelevance of it, and I've used this. They see fit thereafter, but um, it, I think it would be great. I'd love to measure them as well because We'd we love get all, all of that we, information. Kevin's banged on about this plenty. It'll be about the me saying horses are big or small, and then him wanting yeah. that. How big? How big is Tiger Roll, Vanessa? How big? I don't know. You don't 15, know. Fifteen no three. Fifteen three. Everyone says he's tiny. I don't. I actually don't think he is tiny. But who um, knows? Most most famous horse in training. Everyone calls him tiny, and no one can tell you how big he is. Uh, Jack O'Shea has asked this is another one for you Kev is there any chance you could ask Kevin about Sandy Creek looked a lovely filly when flying home behind never ending story on debut was hoping we might see her out again this season yeah she is she had a setback she'll be back next season but um, yeah lo- lovely prospect pity 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 that she had the setback but uh, we'll make up for last time next season hopefully uh, Tony Rich has asked given ongoing paucity of runners in novice chases should it be the BHA who are guilty of schooling in public seriously though global warming isn't going anywhere what practically can be done to get more runners well they've taken action they're converting oh. a load of novice chases to, to novice handicaps from next season on or the beginning of next season so again I think they have the right idea they just need to grab it properly speaking of field size they've seen Huntington today yeah. No. Oh my God. Two runners, three runners, five runners, five runners, four runners, eight runners. Mm. There's some no runners in there as well. Oh so my God. So depressing. Um, 
Liam D has asked, curious to see where you lads think Fernie Hollow will be aimed. Is he the sleeper in the champion chase? Could his I, colours dictate I, his just, potential target? I'll, I'll take this. I'll take it very quickly. Kevin did the stable tour down there, so I, I read that before we came on. It sounds like they're going to take it very slowly with him. I think he, they said lesser graded races before stepping him up in, in class. So um, they, they're going to ease him back gently by the sounds of it. Um, Andy, no. Uh, where are we up to on here? Sorry. Um, Andy McGee, is that right? Has asked, has asked any views on the bookmakers over the top reaction to the failed gamble on Adam McCormack's horses last Monday. Embarrassing, really, Tony. That's another one for you. Uh, it, it's basically he's a well, well-known punting owner. He had two horses. Um he came out after they both got beat. They they both were very well backed and, and finished second. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of money that it's needed to to take these horses down in price dramatically earlier on in the day and the night before. But you know these were sustained. They won off at evens eleven to four. Both very well backed. Both in his second. Uh, owner came out and said, "Yeah, I did have the double, but not too much money." And yeah, I mean, it's, I think when people report these in the morning, they should say it's for very very limited money. Um, and it probably that doesn't make good articles, Tony. No one's going to click on that article, are they? <laughs> no. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's but true. a handy bit of clickbait. Need um, a bit of sensationalism. Yeah, gets That's, people going. Look at the Daily Mail. <laughs> Tby has asked, uh, "Why do we have a seven-day entry stage and then forty-eight-hour decks? Surely this only allows allows trainers to avoid competitive fields. Could we just have one set of five-day declarations? This is actually what happens in America, which allows for more build-up and promotion of the big days and big clashes. Surely this would be good for British racing. Um, it'd be difficult to do it in this part of the world, just because turf racing, weather, ground." It'll cause you an awful lot of non-runners, etc. Um, but when we do reach my my hoped all-weather utopia in the decades ahead, Vanessa, and we oh. run all our big races on all-weather, we can declare five days in advance. No trouble. We'll know exactly what surface fingers we're getting. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Funny, now, funny enough, it was, we haven't sorry, got the time Tony. now. But I, I did think that, mate. You know this dex tracking where it's all visible yeah, yeah. from uh, up until you know it's all basically all visible now to to everybody on the BHA site as well. I just think maybe put an end to that because, you know, the trainers will be looking, you know, and see what everybody else is running Think, oh, no, I'll give that a miss because, you know, the likely odds on pokes running. But that's for another time. But it's just... Okay. And, and just in terms of how they do it elsewhere, just uh, I was really... I was in the company of, of an American trainer there during the Arby sale and we're talking about race programs and the way they do it, etc. And he, he was complaining that he had a horse over there that had come from Ireland, the turf horse, and he was mad to run it. But the way they work it in America is that the, the race goes into the program and you enter. And if there isn't enough entries, they kill the race. Oh. It, it, it just it just goes, doesn't take place. And he was going nuts because he, it, this horse had been in like two or three dead races. Um, like imagine, imagine they took that approach over here. Hunting don't be off. <laughs> then, Hunting don't be off today. We we'd, um, uh, we we we'd get we'd get our wish for uh, reduced fixtures and races pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> uh, John has asked, uh, how much longer do you think the Racing Post newspaper can last with it spiraling towards a fiver a day online only editions from question mark? I mean the price. I mean look, I mean, well, it's about four pound twenty, isn't it? I mean, but they've been saying this for for years. Um, Keeps going. You know, the bookmakers are still advertising and advertising big style in that paper. I mean, I do know, I, I heard some stories about the sales on certain days and it's frightening. Um, but it, it seems that, and the paper costs are going up, the actual paper costs. Um, mm. It's terrifying. I, 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 look, they've been expensive. saying that for ages, but I'm sure it can't be far off. But again, we were saying that 10 years ago. Yeah, well, look, it's one of those things, all the information's there online. Like I have a, a full online subscription with them and uh, monitor all day, every day. You know, there's, I certainly have no need to buy the paper. Um, and there's surely an awful lot of people in the same boat. And, you know, it's like anything in 20 years time, will physical papers even be a thing anymore? I don't know. It's certainly moving that direction. So, yeah, interesting for them going forward. Uh, Phileas Fogg has asked, should jockeys, trainers, etc., name and shame abusive punters who message them on social media? I was subject to a pile on this week for suggesting it wasn't a good look, TC. How do you feel about that? People put up a lot of screen grabs these days. Um, no, it's, just a, it's, it's par for the course. I mean, I don't, I don't get worked up about any abuse from anybody. 
So, but I, I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask here. But if anybody's really is getting pursued in an aggressive manner by trainers, jockeys, or whoever, it's clearly it's clearly not on. But like I say I don't take offence at anything. So yeah, not. like you'd see you'd see some particularly bad examples. Like I know oh, Jamie some... Osborne put up a, a shocking one that was aimed at Safi there at oh, one point there grim. last grim. year. I think it was they like really over the top, horrific stuff. Um, and yeah, you'd like to think that as 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 time well, you would have hoped they would have sorted out by now that there would be more repercussions if so when people do go over the top that they can actually get chased up in real life and you know fa- face think, some repercussions. I think. Oh naming, no, we'll go I that think, far. I'll I be think, in prison. I think. The, <laughs> I think the naming and shaming is pretty good. It, it, you know, like if, I think you know, call these people out, otherwise they just get away with it. Right. Um, if it's their if it's their real name, fair enough. But a lot of them are suiting them. That's and, true. You know, that's true. Let's try and get all the questions um, in. This this one liners. We we'll get them all in. Keep okay. keep our listeners happy. Okay. Um, Brad Maxley has asked, do you think the campaigning of horses will change in the future? Seems strange to me to have horses jumping fences in point to points at three, then the year of bumpers, then potentially two years of hurdles with going back over fences. Potentially <laughs> Don't get me going, change, Brad. Or is the two set? Brad, yeah, I don't think it's can't it's it's, Hall- no, it's, Halloween, it's Halloween, Brad. Don't 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 like the views. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. We don't need to get into that because Kevin has some pretty strong views on that. Um, David Brown has asked, is it just me or is there a ridiculous amount of horses who have wind ops now? I appreciate it's common knowledge, but feels like sometimes if a horse loses form, let's just give it a wind up. What the heck? But when realistically it probably doesn't even need one. Am I being cynical? Um, yeah, very, very, very quickly, Vanessa. The, obviously, okay. the, these are for a declaration in the UK for a long time now, but they made an absolute hames of it when they did it. And we just see on the race card wind surgery. And the BHA actually require the trainer to take what type of breeding op they've had, but they don't release this information, which I think is absolutely ludicrous. If they And you don't have to put it on the race card, but put it on the BHA site. And then whoever is interested, and I think there would be a lot of veterinary interest in it, they could analyze the data for the various wind ops, analyze the form after it. And we might be able to quite quickly work out that certain types of wind ops are very effective. Others are absolutely useless. And I think it would, it would advance veterinary care for horses if they, if they allowed that data to come out. Yeah. I've been saying that for years. I don't understand it. It seems a very funny thing to retain. Yeah, no, it'd be good to know because there are a variety of different wind operations, some very severe, some just an absolute minor tweak. Um, Alex Bill has asked, anyone got a fancy for the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday? We've already discussed that. Um, Jason White, is there or should there be a limit on how much rail configurations can affect the distance of a race? It's not uncommon to see races run over a furlong or more further than the official distance. Well, when that happens, it's an absolute shocker, basically, and it shouldn't happen, should it, TC? No, there are some causes that it's dramatically, like you said, it is a furlong plus over jumps and stuff like that. You've just got to keep an eye out on the BHA um, BHA website. They are they are good at actually giving that information out. Whether yeah. the distance, and, is, and, whether and, the distance could, is right in the first place is another matter. But yeah, yeah well, as long and as then, they're announcing the, the revised distance is fair enough, not like in, in, in Ireland where they, they move the rails and uh, don't tell you. What's that's going a on? that's even more yeah. of a shocker yeah uh paul worldsworth uh red driving has asked when you have the sales coming up of high profile mares that are in training the current trainer always is quoted as saying that they will make a lovely broodmare but what is to stop someone buying and racing them rather than retiring them to stud alcohol free saffron beach they're coming up in the mayor's sale and nothing stops them paul they are anybody is welcome to buy them and do whatever the hell you like with them because that's what happens when you buy something you can do whatever you want with it and last year i think was it flotus and it's a bit different she was a juvenile at the time she sold for a million and they've carried on racing her this year anyone who buys saffron beach or alcohol free can do just that but i guess because they're further on in their racing careers and they've achieved so much it's more than likely they're going to be bought as a broodmare but when they go through that sales ring you can do what you want with them um last couple of questions Mark Littlewood, why do the vast majority of the media fail to see that the biggest problem racing has and always had is bookmakers? Are they thick or just afraid, TC? If we didn't have bookmakers, mate, you wouldn't have a sport to be uh, to be moaning about. I know they've got their downside, account restrictions, etc., and everyone going on about uh, you know a total monopoly. But uh, you know, bookmakers are more more good than bad. 
more good than bad. We wouldn't have a sport without them. And finally, King of Dairy Queen has asked, I'm heading to Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup on Thursday. Tell Vanessa the mint lips are on me if I bump into her in the boozer, which apparently is a 101 poke. <laughs> Lol. Safe travels to all who are heading out there. Obligatory in the Philly and Mare Sprint is the bet, by the way. Well, you probably will see me out there. Not likely to be. Well, no, actually, who am I kidding? I will probably <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going hey, out there. It wouldn't be a 101 poke. It'd be nothing on the backside. It'd be <laughs> queuing up at 101 on the lay side, wouldn't they? I, uh, I am going out there for a bit of work and a bit of a jolly, basically. Um, so, yeah, there'll be no... I, I probably will be in the bar a little bit, but I do have some work to do, so I will need to focus. Um, but I am heading <laughs> out there and we'll be discussing it. I guess on Thursday's Racing Only Better, I presume we will be discussing Breeders' Cup races because it's all on... I, plenty of them are on ITV and on Sky Sports Racing as well. Um, but that's it. Thanks very much, guys. Been a pleasure as always. A rattle through. Um, we'll be back Thursday, racing only better. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and have a very good week. <laughs>